This is episode 35 with international best-selling author and CEO of Live Joy Your Way and the Authentic Me Rise Up program, Kamini Woods. This is Pencil Leadership. My name is Chris Anderson. And finally realizing my master's degree only taught me so much, I decided to start on a journey to learn more about what it truly means to be a pencil leader and how we can leave a positive mark on people and the world around us. So each week, I'm going to bring you a topic or a guest that will help guide us on our way to grow and leave a positive mark wherever we go. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. We are really looking forward to learning from Kamini Wood. Um, She is the founder and CEO of Live Joy Your Way and the Authentic Me Rise Up program. She's also an international best-selling author. And she's driven to support both teens and adults struggling with perfectionism uh, to let go of stress, overwhelm, and anxiety. Kamini is a certified life coach, board and board certified, excuse me, by the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. And she's trained in conscious parenting and conscious uncoupling. And on top of that, she also aims to meet her clients where they are supporting and guiding them on their journey back towards inner confidence, energy, and empowerment to be themselves both personally and professionally. Kamini, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so, so happy to have you here. I would love if you would share um, with the audience a little bit about kind of your story and how you got to be doing what you do now. Yeah, so, um, well, first and foremost, I am the mother of five. So wow. that sort of already speaks to why I'm drawn to work with teens. And yeah. <laughs> but uh, more than that, I was actually born and raised in Connecticut. I am okay. first generation American. My parents were immigrants. They came here when they were teenagers. Um, but so I grew up in a household of, you know, work hard and strive to be the best that you can be. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, um, growing up in Connecticut, very small town, uh, predominantly white, uh, having a name like comedy definitely <laughs> sticks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's unique. And, uh, you know, th- so there was, there were a lot of, uh, covert messages that I ended up internalizing as a child. Mm. One of which obviously was you're different. So you have to figure ways to show your value and figure ways to fit in. And then of course you add in the layer of, um, being in a household with immigrant parents, there's this story and the false identity that um, I'm a burden if I ask for too many Mm. things. So you add in those different false identities and you carry them with you into adulthood. And um, my my personality by trait is perfectionist, but then you add in these false identities and the people pleaser came into it. And so I, you know, I started defining my identity by the roles I was playing and it really became it became a codependency really on um, the over-identification with those external validations. Like, are you a good mom? Are you a good wife? Are you, are you a good person? And getting all of those validations from those external sources. And right. really what that came down to was the people pleasing, yep. right? The wanting to make sure that I was um, making other people happy. I felt responsible for their mm. happiness. Yep. And the truth and the reason why I mentioned my children at first was because they were my catalyst. Okay. When my um, at the time she was 11, but when she, we had this moment of, um, just, she was extraordinarily vulnerable in this specific moment. And it was so evident that what was driving her was, 
pleasing other people and living up to those expectations and that old story that I had been living, which was, I have to prove my value. And in that moment, as a mom, it was that wake up call where Mm. I realized if I don't address this and shift myself and how I'm showing up and then show that and demonstrate that to my children, they're going to continue down that same path. And this is just going to be a generation, generational issue, right? It's just going to keep passing down. Yep. So I went through my own self-transformation and I went through coaching and I went through, you know, the books, the courses, you know, and I did the work, I did the work. And as I went through that, that process, it, for me, it was, um, it was a, a process of recognizing that other people are going to be, they're going to have these issues too. I'm not alone. I'm not, this isn't an isolated thing. Other people have these issues as well. And I was really driven to start helping people on that transformation, take what I've learned, recognize that, you know, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So take the lessons I've learned and try to pay it forward and help support other people. And so really my, my role that I see now is that I'm helping people heal that relationship with themselves and really helping them stop outsourcing that self-worth. Why? So that they can, they can become their own self-leader. Yes. I love that so much. Yeah. Becoming their own self leader uh, and seeing their self worth. It ties in kind of what pencil leadership is too. So I'm super excited to dive into that a little bit. So how do you go about, or or what do you use to start people on that journey of becoming their own resilient self leader? So it's really interesting. You asked me that question only because I've had a couple conversations with different people over the last last few days. Okay. Um, and the, the biggest thing that I say to people who come to me who are say that they're ready for that transformation, you know, it's for me, it's yes, awareness is that doorway to change, but then it's up to the person to decide whether to walk through that doorway or whether mm. to go back. And so it's the people that are ready to walk through that doorway who recognize that this is going to be a process. It's not a one and done thing and that they're committed. They recognize the pain points that they're feeling, right? The weight that they're carrying around, um, you know, either in the pit of their stomach or on their yeah. shoulders or, you know, that weight that we carry, they're ready. They're ready to let, to, to figure out a way to shift that. And so once they say yes, and they're committed to that, the very first thing that we start doing is really identifying what their core gifts are and what their values are. And then I help them, um, we go down this process truthfully of revealing where the old story came from because gotcha. we always have to start from, from the beginning and it's not to fix the past. It's to understand the past yep. so that then you can stand in your present and you can generate the future that you want. I love it. So finding the root cause. So it goes back to my background in, in health and trying to help people get over injuries and things of that nature. We had to find the root cause, right? What, what's causing this discomfort. And so that sounds like kind of the same thing you're doing, but for um, an emotional kind of perspective. Yes. yes. And it's not to go back and fix it because it's a recognition right. that the past has happened. Yep. And we could we could spend years and years trying to identify why it happened. And, and, and it's really not about the why anymore because with the why, you're trying to find a reason for it and then maybe possibly fix it. Instead, it's yep. to recognize it's there, take ownership of it. And now what can I learn from that? And how can I start generating the future that I want for myself? I love it. Yeah. Recognize and then, and then put yourself in a posture to start growing. Yeah. So realizing something happened. Okay. It happened. 
Yeah. That's what happened. Yep. And we're going to move forward from here. So how does that look like going forward once you recognize what that might've been? Yeah. So really what that comes down to is once you recognize what that false identity mm-hmm. is or what that inner child issue is, then it's a process of, um, owning your part in it, right? Because we don't, if we say in this place of victimhood, there's, you're not going to take a lesson from it. So it's really owning it. Okay. And then it's deciding what do I want for myself? And then we work together, or at least with my clients, I work with them on figuring out what are the steps to start generating that future? What are the okay. things that they can identify within themselves? The other piece of that is to really start getting um, back in touch with oneself. Mm. Many times when we have those false identities and especially working with the people pleasers and the high achievers, one of the things that I've noticed is the loss of self, the loss of identity. We've become codependent on an external force to, to either value us or to to define us. And so truthfully, it's trying to get to a place of um, interdependence, right? Where we can be with, we're within a a community, but we're not codependent on that community to define ourselves. So it's really getting back in touch with what, do I even feel and what do I need? Right. Because yeah. so many times when we've gone down that road for so long, we've lost touch with that. We've lost touch with who we authentically are. Absolutely. And so, and you said earlier, like you kind of help them go back and think, does things usually stem from childhood in, at least from your case, is that kind of as far back as it goes, or do you see people sometimes it's not as deep? So it can be both. I do think that usually there's something rooted when you are younger where you you've received some type of covert message and maybe it wasn't so deeply rooted when you were seven or eight. Maybe it was in your teenage years, but usually there's something. And I'm just thinking about a client right now who originally thought that it was when she was 16, but it turned out the thing that happened when she was 16 had a it was a stimulus. Yes. But Mm. the real thing and the real message that she had accumulated was when she was eight. Wow. Right. So it's, it's not, a, again, it's not just a quick answer. And, and right. that's why I spend time with my clients to really um, hone in on the fact that they've got to, they've got to start listening to themselves and listening to their body because yep. a lot of times our body holds the memories and oh, we don't yeah. even realize we're carrying it around. Absolutely. So is there things that people can look for like that they are carrying something around? Maybe they're not aware of it right now, but are there things that they can start looking for and like, Oh wow. Okay. I am carrying something. Well, if that, it, it's interesting because a lot of people that I end up working with are the, their first key is when they're not sleeping at night, okay. you know, yeah. there's night, there's, um, sleepless nights, but it's not, um, it's that their mind's not turning off, right. Their mind is constantly running. They're thinking about yeah. things that are on the to-do list. One of the things that really, um, keys people in that something is off is, um, you know, when they, when they recognize that they're having those sleepless nights, but it's the the running of the mind where it's, you know, have I, have I made somebody mad today? Did I drop the ball somewhere? Did I get my task list done? You mm. know, am I somehow upsetting somebody? You know, it's all of those thoughts. The monkey mind wants to keep going. Uh-huh. That's usually a key that something's off. And then in terms of, to your question, other ways that they can recognize that there might be something more and deeper there, it's, to get present in the, in the moment, right? Cause okay. again, monkey minds running, it's to get present <laughs> and to okay. be um, mindful and then to really tune into one, like what one is feeling. Because if we tune into where there might be tension in our body, yeah. usually that tension is telling us something. Okay. We're carrying that tension. You know, again, for me, it was always the pit of my stomach. 
Okay. I always felt this knot and this weight of, oh my goodness, have I, have I made somebody upset? Are they upset with, um, are they upset with how I behaved? Are they upset with what I said? For me personally, it was always, um, I carried around this, like this ball of energy in the pit of my stomach, right? That was the weight that I carried. And that was the anxiety that I would carry around. Have I upset somebody today? Have I let them down? Have I, you know, dropped one of those you know, quote unquote balls that I'm managing in the air, yeah. that, that type of thing. Gotcha. So I'm curious is what would you say the percentage of people that maybe are carrying things around like this that don't even know it is, is it pretty high? I would assume oh, yeah. it is. Okay. Sure. I would assume For it sure. is. Yeah. It, so many people, um, <laughs> you know, and it goes back to what I, I talk about this all the time, emotional suppression, okay. right? So we're yep. trained when we're younger, like, you know, um, a lot of people don't know, right? Because as kids, we're trained, we're trained to put on the brave face Mm. and muscle through, right? So a lot of times people are just in that mindset of, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm just going to, I'm going to make it through this because I have to. And um, it goes back to that emotional suppression where it's, you know, it's, it's weak to cry. You got to be brave. Uh, No, don't get angry and scream because like, that's not appropriate and you shouldn't, you shouldn't let the world hear all of your noises. Right. right. And, and it goes back to that whole thing. So we're, we're predetermined and, you know, sort of pre-programmed that we're supposed to kind of push this stuff down and muscle through. So we're not even aware because we're on autopilot. We're just going through our, our check boxes of the day. Yeah. And so, and, and then of course, and then of course we have the part where even if we realize that there's something that's going on, we fear investing in ourselves to go do the work, whether it's yeah. time and or money. It's, yeah. I don't have time for that yep. um, because I've got all these things to do. And if I don't do these things, then it's, it's all going to fall apart. But the, right. what, the truth of the matter is, if we don't invest in ourselves, eventually things start to shut down. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's like just even from a physical standpoint, if we're not working out, like we're going to start having pains and things are going to stop working the way they should be. Or if we stop caring about what we're eating, like that all goes. And then if, yeah, so if we're not thinking about our emotions, then those are going to start being haywire and not functional. And, and the mm-hmm. emotional suppression that you mentioned, I think is huge. And I think it, it had been for so long, like just nailed in and hammered into us that like, yeah, especially like men don't cry or, or you know, things like that. Right. And it's, yeah. and I, I think it's changing, yeah. which is good mm-hmm. because, yeah, I think we need to really focus on those and, and see to be just better people, better leaders in general. Well, I think what ends up happening, especially because I do do some work with just people who feel that they're repeating um, relationship issues, right? They yeah. have these bad patterns with relationships. What I'm finding is that that emotional suppression is such a huge piece Mm. because when we have emotionally suppressed, we cannot emotionally connect with Mm. either. I mean, and these relationships aren't just romantic relationships. They can be parent child relationships. They can be workplace relationships, but it's a huge part of being able to connect with somebody and being authentically aligned with who you are. And so when we are pushing those things down, eventually um, eventually they explode in some form or the other. And that's why it, it does end up leading to some relationships that don't survive because eventually it does come out. Yeah. It's, it's like the dark always comes to light. I mean, what? Yeah. So I think 
I think it's brilliant to try to find out like who we are more, like what you're doing in the process, you're doing that. So how can people start down that road of, of really truly figuring out who they are as a unique individual? Yeah. The, um, the part where I always have people start is from a place of presence, right? Just Mm -hmm. slowing it down, being in the present moment. And then from that place, retraining themselves to identify what it is that they're feeling. Okay. Uh, I think that's step number one, because when we are on autopilot, that is the first thing to go. We don't yeah. listen to ourselves yeah. and we lose track of what it is that we're feeling. And then the second part of that is what do I need? And okay. those two, those two questions, when we start to answer those, that's when we can start to one, heal ourselves and heal the relationship with ourselves. But we can also start communicating with others from a place of compassion and not necessarily from a place of um, judgment mm. or um, a defensive stance, okay. yeah. but rather from this place of compassion so that people can actually hear us. Right. Um, and oftentimes, high achieving people pleasers, we avoid um, confrontation and conflict. Mm. And so we don't set boundaries and we don't, we don't communicate our needs. Gotcha. And so all of that is just this, um, it, it snowballs, it's a snowball effect, yeah. right? And so it's this process of getting in touch with what we feel, what we need, and then learning how to communicate that to other people. So you say finding out what you need, how does that look uh, like emotional needs? Is that yeah, what that's I'm where you're talking about at? emotional needs, okay. you know, because what happens, and that's why I, I focus so much on the emotional side, because mm-hmm. right now, too, there are so many people who will focus on the physical, and that's great, but physical and emotional has to go hand in hand. So I really feel that my, my work on the emotional side can then go hand in hand with the stuff that people might be working on from the physical aspect. But it goes back to, I've had clients who've come to me, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I lost 20 pounds, and I thought that it would solve all of my relationship issues. Like, you know, it does on one hand, in the sense that all you know the health issue and feeling feeling really good about yourself from a physical and the exterior aspect but it really is an inside out process so you know once we start dealing with the emotional side we're able to deal it's it's dealing with the whole person and not just one aspect of the person yeah I, and i love that yeah even though the physical is changing why did you want to change that physical why did you think that that was going to solve the problems so yeah. digging in deeper with that so um no, I think that's, I, it's so important. Like even starting with the mind um, and how it, I, I think the mind can play tricks on us if we're not understanding of it. And, and so how do you, how would you go about kind of starting to strengthen the mind or, or getting on the right track? Yeah, the mind does. I, I, that's why I lovingly refer to it as the monkey mind. Because <laughs> we, we have our thoughts and we think that we have to attach to them and that they have to become something. Mm. And what it is, is it, for me, it's all about helping my clients go from trigger point, right? And then they, they're they off center. And it's it's working with them on shortening the time between trigger and when they can get back to center. Uh. And so really what it is is to start noticing the thoughts that are coming up and the emotions that are coming up and naming them, but not allowing ourselves to run away with them, right? Yeah. So as we have a thought, we can recognize Oh, there's that thought again of, mm. you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really stupid. I shouldn't done, I shouldn't have done X, Y, Z. And it's, Oh, there's that thought. There's my inner critic 
I mm. don't have to, I don't have to go with it down this path of yeah. judgment and um, self-loathing. I can recognize them having that thought and then come to a place of, when I would work with my clients a lot on these power statements of like that, it's the, it's that, oh, I've been triggered. How do I reset? And so yeah. it's a process of training our brain to not necessarily think I'm having a thought and now I've got to get on the train. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I, can, I, can, I can stop. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You don't have to go down that rabbit hole. You can exactly. choose not to chase that. That's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> what do you, I guess I'm curious, what do you think causes people to have that inner critic and, and things like that? I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a big whole. Spiel yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The inner critic. Oh my goodness. Um, I actually just recorded a podcast about this today. Awesome. It is, it is just, it's that, portion of our mind, right, that wants to judge and fix and control, right? It's, mm. it's all three of those things. And so we think it, it's almost the ego, right? The ego mm. trying to protect us from any type of embarrassment or what have you. And so it's trying to keep us, you know, playing small. And so one of the biggest parts of practicing self-compassion is to recognize that we are these spiritual beings having this human experience. And so when we show up and we do something or try something and it doesn't go the way that we wanted it to go, or it didn't go the right way. And I say quote yeah. unquote right way, because again, up for debate, what's right and what's not. Right. Um, it's recognizing that we did the best we could with the information we had in front of us at the time, because the inner critic wants to jump in and jump into mm. judgment mode and tell yep. us how stupid we were and why did <laughs> we even bother right. and we should have done it this way and so on and so forth. And so it is it is the basis of what self-compassion is all about. It's about being able to stand in our knowledge that we are doing the best we can with the information we have in front of us at any given moment. And yeah. I think parents have to do that on a daily basis because none of these kids come with a manual. <laughs> but us as adults, yeah. I mean, we have to do it too. Like, you know, we get to, we go through elementary, middle, high school, and then we go to college and suddenly it's like, oh, you're an adult and you should have it all figured out. Well, that's just not the case. Right. I mean, we're all just trying to, we're, we're doing, and now in today's time and what's going on, I mean, none of us know what's happening day right. to day. So yeah. it's, it's all about doing the best we can with what we have in front of us today. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I, coming like growing up, even all the the program stuff that we are, are fed growing up, like you have to do this, you have to be this way, and it's like, man, we're just it's so black and white when it's so not black and white. You know, and it's it's so funny because my oldest is eighteen and she's an aspiring ballerina. Oh, cool. She um she did apply to college and she got into college, but she's also been applying to um she's been auditioning for ballet companies. Awesome. And the amount of backlash that she got from family, friends, and other people about what do you mean you're not going to college? And it's, but who determines, right? Who determines what linear path you have to take? Yep. If ultimately, we need to follow what, you know, follow what our heart is driving us to do and also define success and happiness for ourselves. Yep. It's not going to be the same for each one of us. Right. And that's what I, I really base my work on is that we get to define Fine, what our success and happiness is as much as we are not responsible for somebody else's happiness they too are not responsible right we get our yeah. autonomy and they get their autonomy and that's the glorious part about being who we are <laughs> i love that yeah and I, i've heard the story it's like success and i tell people success is what you choose to do it goes like story that if there's a, a vendor on the corner of the street and he's selling hot dogs 
Um, but that's what brings him joy and that's what he finds um, fulfillment from, then he is successful. It's not the amount of money he's making or the position he has. It's that he chose the path that he's on because he enjoys it. He gets fulfillment. He's giving back and he's happy. Uh, and so success is that, I think. Exactly. A hundred percent. And, and that's, <clears throat> I think that's where I, I really hone in on that whole, where are we, where are we driving our self-worth from? Where are we driving our definition of success? Where are we driving our definition of happiness yeah. when it's so externally focused and we're living to these external expectations and we're living to these external validations, we are actually codependent on something outside of ourselves. Yeah. And, and that's really a hard place to maintain for the long run. Yeah. And it, it's like, if we rely on someone externally to uh, define our success or our happiness, like that's a lot of risk because you don't know what that person is thinking or exactly. where they're coming from. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. 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 It, 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 it leads to a lot of um, not so great relationships probably too, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, have more people, I think, the world could be a whole lot different if instead of listening to what everyone else is doing, we do what we feel led to be doing mm-hmm. to give back, to have fulfillment. And I think so much more positive things could come because people are, are on one side of fear and are not going through because of that, because of those voices they hear, no, you have to do that. You can't do that. And so the shoulds yeah. and the ought tos. Right. Yes. Shoulds yep. and the autos. Yeah. <laughs> they keep us, they keep us contained. <laughs> yeah. Which is, and it's, it's crazy how much weight we give other people in our lives. Mm-hmm. And forget our own. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and so I think that like what you're doing and what other people are doing the same thing, it's, it's needed because there are so many things that are directing us that are almost invisible to us in, in the present moment until we really start to think on them. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the truth is we can feel it, but so often we ignore it. Yeah. And it's really just, it comes down to how important do you see yourself? Right. And yeah. when we actually give ourselves that importance and we actually recognize that giving ourselves that self love and mm. taking the time to, um, basically refill our cup and be whole people, we are able to then exponentially be involved in these other relationships. And we can exponentially feel happiness and success and love and all the the things that we all envision for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But it really does come from how whole are we showing up, right? And taking the time to heal what may um, be be giving into, you know, those mm. false identities or false beliefs or fracture stories that we had when we were younger. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's key to, like you said, fill ourselves up, fill our cups up because, uh, especially like when, when I was in the health and, um, health arena, just always trying to give and, and, and help somebody else and not focusing on filling my cup up. And so like end up being dry. And when we do that, then we're not giving people our best. We're not being able to help people in a way that we could. And right. so I think, yeah, I think that's so crucial. It's so interesting. You just said that because one of my <laughs> clients is actually a doctor and we were going through this whole process of, um, you know, when was the last time you asked yourself how you feel? And yeah. uh, he just started laughing and he's like, yeah, we're not trained to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to retrain you now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Like first responders, like police, like they're all thinking about other people first, like going into situation, firefighters and, and things of that nature. But yeah, if we're not focused on having us at the best that we can be, then we're hindering our ability to help others. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's so important. And, and I think it's becoming more of a, uh, um, accepted topic. I think, do you notice that it's becoming a bigger thing? I do. Um, and it's so interesting because you'll, you'll hear about, you'll hear the key terms, right? So mindfulness, mm -hmm. meditation, slowing down, and it's just so important that the conversation continues to happen because what we don't want though, is that it, for people to think, oh, it's just another fad right. and then it just disappears right? because there is so much um, that we can gain from, from kind of slowing down. I mean, I've heard it time and time again, especially with the COVID situation, it's, oh, this has really forced us to slow down, which is true, mm -hmm. but it's how do we also make sure that we continue to be present even going forward, even as we yeah. start coming out of this, it's, a, it's, it's so important to be in our present and not constantly being on this autopilot, yeah. right? There are moments when you have to be sort of like, I just kind of do what I know how to do. There are definitely moments. I'm not saying that that's, that's not the case because there right. are moments, but do we need to live day in and day out on autopilot? Mm. I think we end up, we end up missing out on pieces of our life when we do yep. that. No, I agree. Yeah. I think there's so much out there that we're missing because we're just kind of tunnel vision uh, blinders on. And so um, I, one, one final thing with this topic is if, how do you approach someone maybe, or how do you bring it up? If you notice someone maybe is having things that they need to work through. Yeah. That's hard, right? Because yeah. you can't make somebody change, right? They've got to want it for themselves. <clears throat> and this happens a lot too. in just when working with people one-on-one -on -one is they'll bring up their spouse and oh, I, if my spouse would just do X, Y, or Z. <laughs> and it's that conversation where we recognize, um, you know, we can't make somebody change. You can't right. make them want something. What you can do is have honest conversations and ask the, the questions, right? Well, mm -hmm. well, what, what, what do you feel? What, what, do you, what would you want instead of whatever it is that they're talking about? It's really getting inquisitive with them and opening okay. up the possibilities of what they may not be able to see for themselves because they are in that tunnel vision or they're in their little box. And so it's allowing space. Um, okay. And I truly believe that that's part of what I do is allow that space for people to explore all of those things that they have almost trained themselves not to pay attention to. Gotcha. Um, but having said that, you can't ever convince somebody that they need it. They've got to want it for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <That's> awesome. <laughs> Well, before we kind of wrap things up, I always like to ask this question of my guests, and it has to do with the last trait of pencil leadership. And so um, that stems from a parable, pencil makers telling a pencil before he shipped off five things. The fifth one is um, your purpose is to leave a, a good mark, uh, no matter the surface. And so when everything is said and done here for you on earth, what do you want your mark to be? Oh, I really love that question. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm glad. I, I really do. I really want my mark to be having people or allowing people the space to really honor who they are and allowing people to understand 
that their uniqueness is what is this gift to the world. Mm. We don't need to be carbon copies of each other. And the fact of the matter is that people like me with the weird name <laughs> are, are actually extremely valuable. And there is no need to prove your worth. You already are worthy. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, we are made how we are for a reason. And to be free, you got to be me. So or to be free, you got to be you. So it doesn't rhyme, but uh, <laughs> it works point. anyway. It works anyway. So, well, Kamini, we are so grateful for your time today. Um, before we wrap or we say goodbye, how can people connect with you? What do you have out there for people to get connected with? So I actually just recently published a book awesome. uh, beginning of March. It's thank you. It's yeah. called Ohm Life's Gentle Reminders. Okay. It's actually it's not a front to back read. It's a compilation of analogies. It's cool. taking everyday experiences that I've had that could be considered stressors or frustrations and reframing them into an opportunity for self growth, posing a question to the reader, and almost just sort of challenging the reader to meet each day's um, experiences with maybe looking at it in a different way and seeing awesome. what they can take from it. Cool. Um, and also if people feel that they would like to have a chat with me, they can go to chat with That's chat with spelled K A M I N I.com. And they can schedule a time to talk to me there or visit my website, comedywood.com. And uh, I am happy to connect with your listeners. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that guys. Yeah. Check out uh, her book, get connected with her uh, and see how you can start going towards being uh, a better self leader. Um, Comedy again, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. If you enjoyed it, share this with someone else and make a positive impact on their life. Also head on over and leave a five-star rating. If you liked anything you heard today, and let me know what you think so I can make this show better for you in the future. And go ahead and connect with me on Instagram at chris.t.anderson. Love to hear from you. Now let's go out and make a difference as pencil leaders.